0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new extended study episode titled The Day of the Lord, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Before I start, I have a brief announcement. It is important. In the week of September 17th, we will be moving away from Podomatic to a new home host at Pinecast.com. To be clear, we are not on Pinecast yet. We will have more information in our post announcements, further updates as soon as anything new warrants further updating. Please listen to hear this information later in this podcast. Thank you all for listening, following and moving with us. Also, about this episode, please note this episode is more than 35 minutes in length. Last week, we continued our study found in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. Verses 14 and 15 may lead some to think there is no ascension event preceding the tribulation of earthbound believers and those believers who have died before us. We found this is most likely not the case. For today, we understand less about what is being said in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians than our predecessors did when these words were first spoken to them. When one Of our loved ones travels to a different place, we do mourn them, in a way, yet we do not mourn them as dead. Today, we do not call this mourning of an absent loved one. We now simply say that we miss them and may even feel some sadness associated with their absence. We say or say something like, We miss them. We, today, sometimes in very long absences, do mourn the loved one being away in their travels. Maybe not so much with crying or weeping, but in a sense of absence and not frequently hearing their voice. In the days of Scripture, the deeper form of missing loved ones is thought of with the increased understanding of human death making this absence permanent. This week, we dig a bit deeper into the subject almost all of us know is found in these two books, news of Christ's rapture for us. Scripture says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need for it to be written. For you yourselves know accurately the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, Then suddenly destruction comes upon them, like travail to the pregnant woman, and they shall not all escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, we should not sleep as the rest also do, but we should watch and be sober. For those sleeping sleep by night, and those having been drunk are drunk by night. But we, being of day, should be sober, quote, having put on the breastplate, end quote, of faith and love, in the hope of, quote, salvation as a helmet, end quote, because God has not appointed us to wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, he dying on our behalf, so that whether we watch or we sleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another as you indeed do. But brothers, we entreat you to know those laboring among you and taking the lead of you in the Lord and warning you, even esteem them most exceedingly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, to warn the disobedient ones, comfort those that are faint-hearted, sustain the weak, be long-suffering towards all. See that no one returns evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue the good, both towards one another and towards all. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, from Green's Literal Translation. Did you hear other scriptures in that passage? I hope you did. Ephesians 6, for one. Here we are in the first scripture portion that really says something we are most likely familiar with regarding Christ's return for his saints before the Tribulation, most likely the primary reason for people delving into the two books of Thessalonians. We should also hear echoes of other gospel passages like Matthew chapter 24 verses 1 through 24 or the similar passages also found in Mark and Luke, never mind many other scripture passages in the New Testament alone. Notice. What verse 1 is telling us. It is clearly a continuation of thought from chapter 4, where we started to notice the change into this topic. We can be certain of this because verse 1 starts with the word, quote, but. End quote. For remembrance, verse 1 reads, but. Concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need for it to be written from First Thessalonians chapter five, verse one, green's literal translation. Notice how it speaks of how well the Thessalonians knew this subject. Paul says on the subject of the quote, times and seasons, end quote, they have no need to be written about such things as they knew it well. Do we know this subject that well today? So well we have no need to study it any further? I think most of us know very well the answer to both these questions is no. Commentary says this on this subject. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, of the coming of Christ, his, quote, appointed time, end quote, and. quote, his day, end quote, as the Ethiopic version renders it, of the resurrection of the dead in Christ first, and of the rapture of all the saints in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, things treated of in the preceding chapter, and which might excite a curiosity to know the times and seasons of them, as in what year. They would come to pass, in what season of the year, whether winter or summer, in what month, and on what day of the month, and whether in the night season or in the daytime, and in what hour, whether at midnight, cocking crow, morning or noonday, to repress which the Apostle observes ye have no need that I write unto you. To write to them concerning the things themselves was necessary and useful to stir up and encourage their faith, hope, and expectation of them, to allay their grief of departed friends, and to comfort one another under the various trials and exercises of life. But to write to them about the time of these things would be trifling and unnecessary, would be an idle speculation and an indulging vain curiosity, and, besides, was impractical, for of that day and hour knows no man the times and seasons the Father hath put in his own power. For these things are equally true of Christ's second coming, as of the kingdom of Christ coming with power and glory, and of the destruction of Jerusalem. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. In a moment, we will focus on the latter part of this commentary passage, as it is very important. Since Paul specifically said, Quote, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need for it to be written. End quote. Why? It almost seems as if they knew this by how it was written. Yet, we today assume this is not true. Period. This is thanks to our great disconnect and invisible divide in many biblical matters since we would rather be taught than to learn for ourselves. Today, in America, there are any number of people on social media and in other public forums trying to discern the arrival of Christ. They say there are markers, however clear or blurry they may be, to those listening to them about this matter. It cannot be done, regardless of what they say that tickles your ears. Scripture alone is quite clear and unyielding on this subject. You and you alone need to hear the present knocking on the door of your heart. If you welcomely open your door, Christ will enter into your heart, mind, and life. If you resist the knocking on the door, it now, more than ever, will soon go away. At that point, you will remain here for the tribulation time or die without the saving grace of God. The Bible is very clear on this point that eternal hell awaits the unsaved. Notice the parable of the fig tree. It reads, Learn this parable from the fig tree. Whenever its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also you, when you see these things happening, know that he is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. From Mark chapter 13, verses 28 through 31. Notice that this is a comparative to the fig tree. It is not about the fig tree itself. Also, notice these two very important things this parable says in the first two verses. 1. Whenever the fig tree branches become tender and puts out its leaves, the observer knows for certain that summer is near. This can only happen in the springtime. Thus, the analogy or comparative of this passage. Secondly, when we see this happen, what Jesus just spoke about in verse 1 above, about the signs of the end, we are to know by that Christ is near, even right at the door. To be clear, that is all we know that he is near and our time here is extremely short. Now, what does Jesus say in the next verse? It reads, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Remember, the generation which sees these things happening will not fully pass away from the earth. However, Many in that generation will, nonetheless, pass away, just not the entire generation. Even if one person was left alive, the generation will not have fully passed away. I say that to give this comment by Jesus some modern clarity. For it could get really bad, but who knows who will be those who are still alive? Therefore, we all should assume it is us even though it may not be so when it is all done here and we go home remember too those who are saved by his grace and die here go up first we now want to look at three aspects of the scripture text in this commentary passage we just opened first let us look at the passage of scripture we just read earlier Starting in verse 3, it reads, For when they say, peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them like travail to the pregnant woman, and they shall not at all escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Concerning verse 3, commentary reads For when they shall say, or men shall say, that is, wicked and ungodly men, persons in a state of unregeneracy, peace and safety, when they shall sing a requiem to themselves, promise themselves much ease and peace for years to come, and imagine their persons and property to be very secure from enemies and oppressors, and shall flatter themselves with much and long temporal happiness, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as on the men of the old world in the times of Noah, and on the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot, For as these will be the days of the Son of Man, as at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem, so at the last day, and as was the destruction of literal Babylon, so of Babylon in a mystical sense, or Antichrist and his followers, and which will be as travail upon a woman with child, whose anguish and pains are very sharp, the cause of which is within herself, and which came suddenly upon her, and are unavoidable, and so the metaphor expresses the sharpness and severity of the destruction of the wicked. Thus, the calamities on the Jewish nation are expressed by a word which signifies the sorrows, pangs, and birth throes of a woman in travail and likewise that the cause of it is from themselves, their own sins and transgressions, and also the suddenness of it, which will come upon them in the midst of all their mirth, jollity, and security, and moreover, the inevitableness of it. It will certainly come at the full and appointed time, though that is not known and they shall not escape the righteous judgment of God, the wrath of the Lamb, or falling into His hands, to escape is impossible. Rocks, hills, and mountains will not cover and hide them before the judgment seat of Christ. They must stand, and into everlasting punishment must they go. From the New John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. John Gill's commentary is quite plain and direct. You either understand salvation in Jesus Christ or you understand it and deny it anyway. While many do this even today, one has to wonder what it is they are missing in this very clear subject. Notice too. This comment we just read, quote, as on the men of the old world in the times of Noah and on the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot, end quote. The suggestion here is not lost where other scripture says the tribulation period will be far worse than both, quote, the times of Noah and on the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot. End quote. It is strongly suggested that the tribulation is worse than both of these events together. Did you also notice what commentary said? If nothing else, this is very important. So, I will reread this portion from John Gill, Quote, which will be as travail upon a woman with child, whose anguish and pains are very sharp, the cause of which is within herself, and which come suddenly upon her and are unavoidable. And so the metaphor expresses the sharpness and severity. Of the destruction of the wicked. Thus, the calamities on the Jewish nation are expressed by a word which signifies the sorrows, pangs, and birth throes of a woman in travail, and likewise that the cause of it is from themselves, their own sins and transgressions, and also the suddenness of it, which will come upon them in the midst of all their mirth, jollity, and security, and moreover, the inevitableness of it, it will certainly come at the full and appointed time. End quote. Given how John Gill writes aside, is that not really clear for you who are saved or not saved? What John Gill is saying in maybe a simpler form is this. Those who live a simple life will find a place of both peace and safety on this earth. It will then suddenly collapse upon them. The pain for these times will be equated to, or analogized, to that of the pain of childbirth. Those who are single and have not at least been with a woman bearing a child at birth can only imagine what a woman's travail is like. I think we all, regardless of being single or married, have at least some idea of how painful is the experience of childbirth. So, bottom line is, when the days erupt the peace and safety of the world, there will be much, much pain equivalent to the analogized pain of childbirth. I think we all know that childbirth is as hard as it is painful. The final thing about childbirth as an analogy is this. When a woman sees her child for the very first time, all the pain associated with childbirth is all but forgotten. If that is not an analogy for us being born into heavenly life with a heavenly body, I do not know what else would better make this analogy. Moving forward, more scripture reads But we, being of day, should be sober, quote, having put on the breastplate end quote, of faith and love and the hope of quote, salvation as a helmet, end quote, because God has not appointed us to wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, he dying on our behalf so that whether we watch or we sleep, we may live together with him. Verse 8 recalls Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. Notice again the phrase, quote, being of day, end quote. We just read that we are of the day who know Christ. Those who do not know Christ are of the night, or darkness. This is given context in verse 9. It is the reasoning for why we are of the day. Verse 9 says, Because God has not appointed us to wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. On this point, commentary reads, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. This is designed as an encouragement to effort to secure our salvation. The wish of God is to save us, and therefore we should watch and be sober. We should take to ourselves the whole of the Christian armor and strive for victory. If He had appointed us to wrath, effort would have been in vain for we could do nothing but yield to our inevitable destiny. The hope of a final triumph should never animate us in our efforts and cheer us in our struggles with our foes. How much does the hope of victory animate the soldier in battle? When morally certain of success, how his arm is nerved when. Everything conspires to favor him, and when he seems to feel that God fights for him and intends to give him the victory, how his heart exalts and how strong is he in battle! Hence, it was a great point among the ancients, when about entering into battle, to secure evidence that the gods favored them and meant to give them the victory. From Barnes New Testament notes. Please note the plural word quote gods end quote is lower case meant as other gods per their unsafe state as many were. Remember Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20 is not only about our God and his armor for us to wear in our battle with evil but the anticipation. Even the expectation of us actually winning the spiritual battle, thereby soundly obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our last passage reads Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, as you indeed do. But, brothers, we entreat you to know those laboring among you and taking the lead of you in the Lord and warning you, even esteem them most exceedingly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort you, brothers, to warn the disobedient ones, comfort those that are faint-hearted, sustain the weak, be long-suffering towards all. See that no one returns evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue the good both towards one another and towards all. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11-15 through 15 From Green's Literal Translation Did you notice the last two verses in that passage? Commentary reads, This earnest entreaty is evidently addressed to the whole church and not to the ministers of the gospel only. The duties here enjoined are such as appertain to belong as a proper function or part to all Christians in their appropriate spheres and should not be left to be performed by ministers only from Barnes' New Testament notes. Notice that this passage is not simply to the pastors of churches or to only the bodies of churches. It is to all, both members and leaders. Regardless of your station, this passage is to you even today. Many of today's churches need to hear this part of that commentary passage that said, quote, to all Christians in their appropriate spheres and should not be left to be performed by ministers only, end quote. Again, very clear and direct. However, with that said, a word of caution here about being overbearing and showboating by some, as commentary reads further. Warn them, the same word which in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 is rendered admonish, it is the duty of every church member as well as the ministers of the gospel affectionately to admonish those whom they know to be living contrary to the Requirements of the gospel. One reason why there is so little piety in the church and why so many professors of religion go astray is that the great mass of church members feel no responsibility on this subject. They suppose that it is the duty only of the officers of the church to admonish an erring brother. And hence, many become careless and cold and worldly, and no one utters a kind word to them to recall them to a holy walk with God. Many in American churches today are judge and jury over those apparently, for whatever reason, not seeming to abide in their walk with God and force these people out of church oftentimes they do not know who those are deliberately living contrary to the requirements of the gospel and those who are working yet failing in some way to do the things of the gospel do you know the difference between the two often as commentary just said the great mass of church members feel no responsibility on this subject. No one utters a kind word to them to recall them to a holy walk with God. Are you one such person? If so, what will you do to fix this problem? Next week, we will complete this examination of chapter 5 in First Thessalonians. Next week, Look for The Day of the Lord, Part 2. We will examine the last seven verses in this next-to-last part of Chapter 5. Verse 19 reads, Do not extinguish the Spirit. Really? How can a human have the power to extinguish the Holy Spirit? Find out next week. Play or download next week's episode titled, the Day of the Lord, Part 2. Download this episode next week from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow! A quick note to update our listeners to a podcast post-move. We will be moving from Podomatic to Pinecast in just a few short weeks. Please note, we are not on Pinecast yet. Please do not look for us there right now. We are not there. We want to give you ample notification of our move to Pinecast so you are ready for it when we move. Our primary reason for moving is the fact that we have greater storage capabilities with Pinecast than we do with Podomatic. On Podomatic, we are limited to two gigabytes of storage. If we want or need more, the cost is too prohibitive to obtain. While we also pay for Pinecast hosting, they do not have a storage limit, which we hope you find as appealing as we do. More information may follow. Stay alert. All Bible quotes without a citation, are from the New English Translation Free Version. All other quotes bear the source they are from. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God. As well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website. Our subdomain hosted at site123.com is unchurched.site123.me This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item on our website. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Church again, church of the un, insert dash symbol, Church to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, American Eastern Time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Automatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore host all episodes on our backup host anchor.fm forward slash unchurched no matter where you find us, please enjoy our podcast. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.